Hey, you want a kidney? Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It is uh, Thursday, July 30th, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation audio publication, episode 117. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell known as the Crackpot Command Center in the undisclosed loft location under threat of eminent domain in Gitmo Nation West. That's San Francisco, California. I'm Adam Curry. And from Silicon Valley North, where it's garbage pickup day, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. See how soft it was? I couldn't get to the fader in time. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yes, I would. That one I will fix in post. Hey, John, how you doing? Okay. Yeah, good. A little bit of equipment failure here today, but we'll live. Yeah, your uh, MIDI controller blew up. Yeah, so my setup is so perfect, man. This little fader fox, which I have to say has been through so many TSA checks that you know every single time i open up my suitcase like okay what knob is busted now it's got scotch tape all over it holding the battery pack together and now it just finally doesn't no longer communicates with the midi interface so i have to do faders by hand i'll survive so so can you get another one yeah from germany i have to order it do they still make them yeah yeah faderfox.de they should be giving them to you for free with all that publicity yeah yeah they should well, we have some money, so I can buy a new one. It's no, it's no problem. It's just the hassle of waiting because I won't have it before Sunday, and it just it sucks because then you know I can't do levels. I can't do my levels. Hmm. So I got you some clips this week. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> well, if you <laughs> some, I get the, just a few, John, really. So uh, there's one that maybe we should just play at the front of the show because it's it's it's, it's, it's kind of entertaining and it, but it's it's making me wonder exactly how much the government's getting involved in in our media. Play the uh, this is, and this is a clip from a 1933 um, movie, Gold Diggers of 1933 to be specific. And and I want you to play this this is a clip's about I think it's about 45 50 seconds. It's a little long, but play it because I think. It's interesting to see. You can see where the propaganda has been slipped in. Just listen to this clip. It's uh, Dick Powell. Say, have you got something with kind of a march effect, march rhythm to it? Yes, I have. I have something about a forgotten man, but I don't have any words to it yet. Well, play it. Play it. I tell you, I just got the idea for it last night. I was down on Times Square watching those men in the bread line. Standing there in the rain waiting for coffee and donuts. Men out of a job around the soup kitchen. Stop! Go on. That's it. That's what this show's about. The depression. Men marching, marching in the rain. Donuts and colors. Men marching, marching. Jobs, jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Ah, you got me. I was all ready to fire it off. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. (laughs) You got me. That was a good one. Well, of course, the media has been in, in infiltrated, indoctrinated, and owned by big media, by big business and the government for years. This was from what, 1950s, you said? 1933. Have you seen the most recent Harry and Louise healthcare advertisements, John? No, I have not seen any Harry and Louise healthcare so advertisements. This is a lovely little piece, which I caught on C SPAN. As you know, we have to, uh, we have to watch 
Lots yes, and lots by of the way, we should be getting there. huge donations for this torture. <laughs> yeah, we really should. Uh, here's the setup from the C-SPAN host. It's, uh, it's actually Harry pretty good. All the Louise ads, and what we thought we would do is show you the evolution of these ads, including the most recent one, uh, a spinoff of those ads, which was released this past Thursday. Okay, so first you're going to get um, a pro... Well, listen to it, because basically... Well, wait, wait, before you play it, can you give us a little background on these I'm, ads? Because I've never I'm seen any to. of them. These are the slew of healthcare ads that are basically promoting the uh, the, the Obama healthcare bill. And so first we get, I think it's like, a, for some reason it's an anti-ad. Well, you, you'll follow along and I'll tell you what, you what you're actually seeing on screen. By the Democratic National Committee. Here's what they look like. You know, of course, they're all from the Democratic National Committee. So, what, so first they show a little bit of an anti-healthcare uh, ad, and then they start responding to it. So this is somewhere in the future. It's covered under our old plan. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Things are changing, and not all for the better. The government may force us to pick from a few healthcare plans designed by government bureaucrats. Having choices we don't like is no choice at all. Yeah, they choose. We lose. For reforms that protect what we have, call toll-free. Know the facts. Okay. If we let the government choose, we lose. Right. So, so first they set it up with um, a little piece from the Coalition for Health Insurance Choices in Health Insurance Association of America, and now they start hammering against it in the same ad. All today. You've probably seen a yuppie couple named Harry Louise on TV recently questioning the president's health care plan. Well, I thought I'd bring you up to date. You got to know this guy is standing in a graveyard. Harry lost his job and also his insurance. Louise owned a small, struggling company that couldn't afford group insurance, so she'd always depended on Harry's policy. Unfortunately, she had a pre-existing condition that prevented her from obtaining new coverage. Now, it's true, Louise should have gone into the hospital earlier, but she didn't want to eat into their savings. Eventually, she and Harry gave up their country club memberships and sold their expensive foreign car, but by then, it was too late. And now that big reveal, he's in the graveyard. Very nice service. Harry doesn't get out here much. He got a job making commercials in another state. His new company doesn't have an insurance plan, and after paying off Louise's hospital bills, he can't afford one. Sad story. The insurance companies say we can fix things using the same system that's always been there. That's what they told Teddy Roosevelt when he proposed a national plan almost 100 years ago. I guess they're still working on it. Oh, hey, by the way, if you see Harry, tell him to hang in there. The president's plan is just around the corner. So, and this goes on. There's more and more. You want to see? Want to hear one more? Yeah, these are good. So these are a couple guys playing basketball. He shoots. He scores. He floats. Louise, Pat was just telling me his state has community rating. Everyone pays the same rate, no matter their age, even if they smoke or whatever. Does it work? My health insurance went from twelve hundred to thirty-two hundred dollars a year. With a double? Yeah, thousands dropped their insurance. I mean, we actually have fewer covered now than before. Congress can do better than that. If we send them that message. To send Congress a message on flat community... Right. So again, they set it up with the Health Insurance Association from America, and then they come in with their own message. Call today. You said universal health care was too complicated, Louise. Oh, because... You said you'd never... So now they've got like a spin-off of... Of uh, of these two in bed and they're in traction. They've got bandages all over their head and they're completely messed up. <laughs> this is your job, so we'd always be covered. Oh, he said, "What do we do when the government runs out of money?" <laughs> well, who's out of money now, Harry? It's <laughs> got to be a better way. Okay. <laughs> the guy rolls out of bed. There is a better way. <laughs> Tell Congress you want what they already have: the security of affordable, universal health care. And I got to tell you that the president has David been... David Wilhelm, chair oh, of the Democratic me. National...
The pre- the, oh, gosh, this chair of the Democratic National Committee, what a douche. Anyway, the president's been sending messages almost nonstop. I, you know, of course, I'm, I'm on his list. Yeah, and, I, I'm not on his list. Well, I got another email from him, you know, another dear friend. Why can't I be a citizen? I don't, I'm not his friend, okay? I'm not your friend. I'm just not. You know, I am your boss. You never met the guy. Why doesn't he just say, dear boss? I, I would feel a lot better. Am I not his boss, technically? One of his many bosses yeah, who's 300 right. million? Yeah, sure. Dear friend, if you're like most Americans, there's nothing more important to you about health care than peace of mind. By Stuart Smalley. Given the status quo, that's understandable. The current system often denies insurance due to pre-existing conditions, charges steep out-of-pocket fees, and sometimes it isn't there at all if you become seriously ill. And then he goes into this whole thing. Uh, okay, time to fix our unsustainable insurance system, create a new foundation for health care security. Wow, it sounds like homeland security. This means guaranteeing your health... Is that health- what they say, healthland security? No, no, your health care security. This is interesting. It's a twist on words, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, that doesn't sound good. It's time to fix our unsustainable... You will do what we say. <laughs> oh, sh- Open your mouth. <laughs> you will obey me. It's time to fix our unsustainable insurance system, create a new foundation for health care security. This means guaranteeing your health care security and stability with eight basic consumer protections. So here they come. No discrimination for pre-existing conditions. No exorbitant out-of-pocket expenses, deductible or co-pays, no cost-sharing for preventive care, no dropping of coverage if you become seriously ill, no gender discrimination, no annual or lifetime caps on coverage, extended coverage for young adults, and guaranteed insurance renewal as so long as premiums are paid. And uh, I just found it interesting that... Uh, but these messages keep on coming from my friend in the White House. Well, uh, Bite Law just sent me a little note that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, the Democratic National Committee Group is significantly expanding a health care ad buy. I guess they're the ones paying for all this crap. That Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, Democrat from Nevada, last week called a waste of money. Hmm. And what's weird about that, they would think it's a waste of money when, it, in fact, this is exactly the way you want to go about this. What do you mean? Because you want to promote the heck out of it to the, to the public so you don't have people out there grousing. And, right. of course, the Republicans, so it surprises me that Reid would do that. But the Republicans have, have uh, jumped all over. You know, they're starting to, to dissect the, the uh, House bill. And the one they've come up with that's, that's the most interesting, which I have a couple of clips here, there, um, are the uh, one uh, where uh, apparently there's some provision for putting in uh, for, for for some government agent to come around and ask you how you want to die? Oh yeah, this is the living will thing, right? Yeah, you want to play the clip that has. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here he was talking about the health care plan after being asked a question by a wary caller at an ARP meeting today. I have been told there is a clause in there that everyone that's Medicare age will be visited and told to decide how they wish to die. This bothers me greatly, and I'd like you to promise me that this is not in this bill. You know, the... Uh, he will not uh, promise he, that it's not in the bill, because it is. It is in the bill. I, we, yeah. we read it ourselves. It's kind well, of... listen to Obama and not answer the question. Oh, okay. I guarantee you, first of all, uh, we just don't have uh, enough government workers to send to talk to everybody. No, that's what ACORN is for. 
to, to find out how they, they, they want to die. I think that the only thing that may have been proposed in some of the bills, and I actually think this is a good thing, uh, is that uh, it makes it easier for people to fill out a living will. <laughs> So, no, no, we won't come around. We'll force you to tell us. You'll have to send it in. We'll have a website for it, I'm sure. Yeah, livingwill.gov. Now, 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 the Republicans are having a good time with this. You have to listen to this next clip, with his, which is the the Republican from North Carolina, Congressman, who, who's fairly along in age, named Virginia Fox. Play this clip. Republicans have a better solution that won't put the government in charge of people's health care, that will make sure we bring down the cost of health care for all Americans, and that ensures affordable access for all Americans, and is pro-life because it will not put seniors in a position of being put to death by their government. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> being put to death. Well, I do have to say, though, you know, there is some merit to... And and this and I've been a part of uh, socialized medicine in the United Kingdom, socialized medicine in the Netherlands. At a certain point, how long if it is socialized medicine? And this is real. This is the pro and the con of it, right? You know, sure, everyone deserves to have health care. Uh, God, this sounds so much like Atlas Shrugged. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, please go um, back. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm. I'm sorry, it really does. You are at a certain at a certain point, you know, where do you say, okay, we're going to focus the money towards keeping this person alive on life support and you know hung in, strung into machines versus, you know, someone who has their entire life before them and need maybe a kidney transplant. I'm just trying to balance it out. And in these socialized medicine systems, they do have a cutoff point. It's just like yeah, no, I know in England they they supposedly just want people to drop dead. Well, it's not quite that bad. I mean, they they want everyone to drop dead because you, <laughs> there you, you have it. If you need an emergency procedure, it's like two month waiting list. I mean, it's completely messed up their entire healthcare system. Yeah, but don't, in England, can't you 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 can hire a doctor to do it? Yeah, you can do it privately. You can you can yeah, do anything so you want privately. That? No, there's nothing wrong with hiring privately. It's just the national healthcare system the, the NHS or yeah, NHS, um, you know, they, they do have certain, I don't know what they are, but they do have certain, certain cutoff points. It's just like, I'm sorry, you know, we've, no, no life for you. No service for you. <laughs> and then it's just over. So it, you, you have to accept that. If you're going to accept a national health care plan, you have to accept that that's a part of it. It, it, it. That makes total sense to me. And I, I don't think anyone can really argue the fairness of it. No, we, all, we all have to die at a certain point. Well, you know, if Obama doesn't do anything else, he's actually going to get this one of these. He's going to get some health care system. And no matter how much they fight it, I think it's over. I think the Republicans are on the wrong side of the debate. And it's just over because it is ridiculous, even though they had it. One of the guys came up. I had the clip, but it was it was actually turned out to be kind of boring and specious. But uh, one of the congressmen came out, you know, in Congress on the the House, they have these one minute like to speak the one minute period where they make an announcement. We will now listen to one minute speeches. And so they one guy after another comes up with some. What can you, you know, do in one minute? Well, apparently quite a bit. You can do a whole ad. <laughs> OK, do you have one of those one minute ads? No, I'm just saying. I mean, uh, most ads are on the TV are one minute, and they're pretty tight. 
Yeah, and these totally. guys run it. They give them a few minutes, you know, a few seconds one way or there. But there's basically a quick little, they want to make a comment. And then this guy shows that that 44 million uninsured is a bogus figure. But, you know, some of the way he presented it was a little dubious. Right, because they're the saying that, that 20, 20 million are illegal aliens and, you know, they have yeah, all these different figures. Yeah, of course. So uh, the point is, is, though, is that, you know, some system has to be, because these guys are getting free health care anyway. You know, and the fact that prisoners are getting, you know, there's a, somebody sent me an interesting thing that was said in California. This is a good number. In, and I don't have a clip for it. It's just a good number. In California, we spend eight hundred million dollars. For health care for inmates, for ex-cons, ex-cons, for ex-cons. Wow. That gives Cobra a whole new meaning. So, I mean, it just says, I mean, what, they're spending $800 million because they don't want the ex I don't know what the th- thinking is, but we spend almost a billion in health care for ex-cons in the state of California. So, I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, just, everybody gets health care but people who, like, are normal working people. Yeah. You know, people, the guys in the office, they have to, you know, unless their company has it. and But then if they get laid off in a situation like we have today where, you know, there's 15% unemployment in California at least, uh, you have, uh, you know, what do they do then if they, you know, catch something and they have to go in for a procedure? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, so basically what you're saying is you believe that some form of health care bill will pass. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and this because they're really putting putting this putting the uh, pedal to the metal on this thing, and that's why it makes me wonder what what Harry Reid's up to. Because that's uh, first thing. If I was Obama's boys, I'd get that guy out. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't be questioning. Hey, man, you're, you're not on the program. We need to break your pinky like the rest of him, so you can be a part of our show. You know, he's gonna he's not playing along. I did find it interesting, and I think it was uh, the same bite law you get information from from time to time. He sent. Um, uh, an email to the president about uh, unrelated about Second Amendment rights, and he received an actual personalized email. He got a dear John Steck. Yeah, and it's a whole different reply to address. It's uh, no reply dash whpc at whitehouse dot gov. That's the White House presidential correspondence. So there is a way to get. Well, to no a, reply, of course, sends it into a, well, a, into a bit a, bucket. Yeah, of course. But still, you know, to get a personalized email back, that's, you know, th- there is a way apparently to get a little bit deeper into the system. Yeah, maybe if you're a lawyer. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> Bite law, it's all, duh. <laughs> it's all about the lawyers. Yeah, that does kind of make sense, doesn't it? Uh, okay, you want to do some more of these clips? Because I got plenty of other stuff to talk about. Uh, well, what else is on the list there? Well, uh, on the on the clip list, or I have something. Yeah, on the clip list. Oh, okay, on the clip list. By the way, just a quick one on uh, a little uh, a little ditty on uh, the healthcare reform. According to the United Kingdom, uh, to the um, the Daily Mail of the United Kingdom. I'm sorry. Uh, a Botox tax could be introduced for the well, sweeping healthcare reforms demanded by President Barack Obama. Patients seeking cosmetic surgery, including breast implants, liposuction, and nose jobs, could be forced to pay an extra 10% on their bill. Well, I think the, the, the uh, liposuction, nose jobs, and breast implants, they should get a tax credit. <laughs> I think you should get a bonus. <laughs> Less ugly people. Hot looking chicks, exactly. A tax yeah, credit. It's, a good, it's a good for the national. It brings the national. Uh, <laughs> Br- brings the brings the national attitudes um, back to the yes, national. exactly. <laughs> All right, I've got. Um, what well, do we you have? might want to play Chris Icons. Matthews' rants about the. Uh, 
about that that crazy provision. I, I never saw him go off on something like this. Well, that's how hot it's getting. Lois Romano, Jonathan Martin. Lois, your thoughts about this debate? It's a, about the living will provision, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Provision in uh, the energy bill, energy and commerce version of the health care bill in the energy and commerce committee. Wait a minute, wait. The energy portion of the health care bill? What am I yeah, missing Yeah, you know, you would see the problem, yeah, you know, these bills, they go to committee and then they get passed by committee, but some of them have so many different kinds of provisos that they have to go to another committee like if, if, for example, they're asking for a lot of money, it's got to go to the finance committee. Or if they're asking for something, well, I don't know why the energy committee is involved, but some for some reason the bill had to go through there. And then when they get a hold of it, they start adding more crap to it. <laughs> energy stuff. <laughs> we should have our own committee, John. We should be a committee in government. We could add all kinds of cool stuff, like the Botox credit. That would be a really good one for us to add. It was I put in so. this provision by Earl Blau- Blount- Blauenauer from uh, Oregon. Blauenauer. Blauenauer. It's there. It stands. It's a Blauenauer. Blauenauer. Provision which allows you to get counseling every five years or so. I wonder what the hell this provision is doing in a bill that's aimed at people who are younger. It's not about Medicare recipients, people over 65. Why we'd want to be visited every five years by somebody to talk about how you want to die. I think it's crazy this is in there, but your thoughts. But it's not in there. I mean, basically... It is in it is in there. No, but it's, it's a, in the bill. It's, it's in the, it's in the dingle first bill. All, first of all, Chris, Chris, first of all. Okay, uh, who is that? Who is that talking to? Oh, her? she's a Washington Post reporter. And she's saying it's not in the bill? Did she read it? That's what she said. She says not in the bill. And then she kind of backed off and says, well, it's kind of in the bill. Uh. And then she said, uh, just to summarize, then she said, well, it's already in the Medicaid and Medicare bills. Or they're in that law. And he says, it's got nothing to do with it. And he goes off on her. <laughs> he was like really <laughs> irked about this. Man. Uh, okay. Okay, so what's on the clip list? Uh, I've got Paulson 1 and 2. Ooh. Um... I've got there was a thing I read. I think it was in Huffington Post saying that they got you know Paulson got called up because of some email or some crazy things that were uh, you know they they were going through the email and they found some this and that and the other thing, and then I heard this Paulson one uh, the Paulson two the the B clip, mm-hmm. which I was just actually very flabbergasted. I play this. This is Jackie Spear in a in a in a in a, in a hearing where they're ripping Paulson a new one. Do you use email? Do I use email? No, I don't. <laughs> Do you use Hotmail? <laughs> Do you use Gmail? Do you use it personally. You don't use it personally or professionally? Yeah, I just don't. So I've, I've never used it for any business communications. Just never use it. So while you were tre- Secretary of the Treasury, you never used email? No. <laughs> How did you communicate with people? Telephone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use email. Okay, that that hey, that's your government at work, folks. <laughs> that's what I I'm don't thinking. use email. Oh, he's check just, the calendar, Paulson. He's just yeah, really. Hello, two thousand nine calling. It's just so he can say that wh- whatever emails they find, he didn't write them, right? That's why he's saying that. That's what I'm lying guessing. sack of shit. So he's thief. the worst. But if you thief. want to play another Paulson clip, play the first one where they. Thief. You know, there's another one which I'll play maybe on Sunday or the next week, which is which is actually really funny. But but this one here is not bad. This Paulson one A. Paulson, who was a thief, a scoundrel, stealing our money for his buddies. If the people of America didn't create the problem, who created the problem? 
if if the people of America didn't create the problem? You said the people of America didn't create the problem. So tell us who created well, it. Well, uh, just so people know who are living in foreign countries, if, if you didn't understand, this is our former uh, finance minister, essentially, Secretary of the Treasury of the United States, ex-Goldman Sachs CEO. My pinky's getting even more crooked. Was, were the banks involved? Well, I would say this. This was this problem. There's so much blame to go around. You, it's hardly. Well, give us a few. Give us a few. (laughs) Give me a try. It's like he's at the principal's office, isn't it? It's like, why don't you just give give me give me a try? Okay. Well, you look at excesses have been building up for a very long time. I just want you to give me some names. I have a limited amount of time. Would we include the banks? Would we include Goldman? Would we include AIG? Would we include anyone who got sharp funds? You could say financial institutions, regulators, investors. So that there is plenty of mistakes by a vast multitude. You'd be interested in knowing that in a financial services committee yesterday, all the banks were represented, and they almost to the person indicated that they weren't responsible for this. But that's the punchline. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's all after the fact. I love it. Yeah, they've already stolen all stolen all our money. Yeah, the money's already stolen. This is like what happened in Russia when the fall of after the fall of communism, all the gold resources they all disappeared. (laughs) The gold. Yeah, really. Well, I've got some of it. Yeah, you have a piece. (laughs) I got. I got. I got a little piece. Want to talk about the Earth for a second? The Earth. Yeah, the Earth. You talking about that, like the planet? Yeah, the planet. You know, the thing that we walk around on. Okay. Um, weather experts. This is coming to us from, uh, what's this fine uh, publication? Uh, I'll find out for a second. Weather experts are uh, contemplating a new mystery of the deep blue sea. Why it's been deeper than usual at high tide all along the east coast for the past several weeks. Since June, tides have been running six inches to two feet above what would normally be expected even considering seasonal and lunar fluctuations. Uh, Mike Zabedos, director of NOAA's Tide and, Current Progr- Tide and Current Program in Silver Spring, Maryland, says, right now we're trying to get a better understanding of what's the cause, but, he says, global warming is not to blame. This is something else, and they do not know what it is. Six inches to two feet higher than normal, John. Well, maybe something's lifting up in the ocean floor. Uh, I mean, it's clear. We know that something is changing. We know that the pole, the pole, magnetic poles are reversing. There's all kinds of magnetic stuff taking place in the southern hemisphere, probably partially responsible for some of these aircraft systems frying out. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it amazes me that this is not like massive news. What's even more amazing to me is that well, we don't it have? Been, hey, it would have been massive news if he would have said global warming. Well, that's the point. Why aren't the global warming jabronis jumping on it? They, this is perfect. You know, this is the perfect thing. All oh, the the polar ice caps are melting. The tide is rising. Why aren't they doing that? This seems like a perfect one to jump on. Well, because apparently somebody came out with some proof that it's got nothing to do with anything. Well, actually, it just says scientists. I love that reporting. (laughs) Scientists say scientists say as the rise was too sudden for it to be global warming. But that's so it's something that's sudden. It's something that's just popped up really quickly. Six feet, six inches to two feet. That that seems like quite a bit. Hmm. So uh, you're underwhelmed. Give me Napolitano because this. uh, 
Oh yeah, NLE oh nine. I, I, has been first, going I was on. listening to this. I'm thinking that here's the here's the punchline. I'll give him the event. Is this actually Napolitano or is this Tim Riley? Who's Tim Riley? He's the publisher of all these computer books. Uh, you mean Tim O'Reilly? No, no, it's Tim Riley. There's no I thought, O'Reilly. I thought it was O'Reilly. No, that you're thinking of o, the O'Reilly Report. I'm thinking of O'Reilly's Bar. I think. <laughs> Hold on. American hotels were the target of bombings in Jakarta. They killed eight people and injured six Americans. Six Americans were among the 164 people killed in the attacks in Mumbai in November of 2008. Three Americans were among the 54 killed in the attack on the Marriott Hotel in Islamabad in September of 2008. So if 9-11 happened in a Web 1.0 world, terrorists are certainly in a Web 2.0 world now. And many of the technological tools that expedite communication today were in their infancy or didn't even exist in 2001. Oh, really? What? <laughs> they didn't even exist. She's Web 1.0, the terrorism Web 2.0. What, is, what, is she, what has she been reading? BitTorrent. The BitTorrent didn't exist in 2001. That's what they're using. This woman is unbelievable. I mean, really, really unbelievable. The AFP reports a couple of quotes from her, our Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. You, you, you just got to love this woman. She is urging a much broader society response in which the public helps curb a growing phenomenon of so-called homegrown terrorism. This is part of that plan of Obama to, to create a, a militia. Yeah, and let me tell you about the militia. There, here's a quote. There's actually an important role we can play in educating even our very young about watching for and knowing what to do. Oh, brother, yeah. kids. If you're in an airport, you see a package left with no one around. However, she's not advocating a culture of spying on one another. Oh, no. We have to be careful. We need to strike a balance. As an example, yeah. we have to Strike be the balance re- up between spying. On each <laughs> we have other. to be respectful of mosques and other Islamic institutions. Oh, yeah, don't spy on them. <laughs> we have to be very careful about profiling a religious institution, just as we have to be careful about profiling individuals. We have to be very, very careful about interfering with the free exercise of religion. But you know, to tell to tell people that we have to educate our very young to be wary. I mean, what happened to innocence, man? What happened to just riding around on your bike as a kid and just goofing off? Now we got to like be No up, goofing be off, aware. kids. No goofing off. Back to work. <laughs> hey, you six-year-old. I'm going to need to report that paper sack that's sitting over there with somebody's lunch in it. <laughs> it's It's horrible. It's really, really hor- it's it, Is she just justifying the the entire means for the existence of her department, or you know, what is this? What is this about? This, this woman stupefies me. Well, the whole department should be disbanded. Unfortunately, it's too late. This is typical of government, by the way. You set something up. Oh, it's only going to be here when we need it, and that's it. It just takes over. It does everything it can to grow and grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because the bigger it gets, the higher the pay for the guy at the top. Or the or the or the gal. Uh, right. Of that course, the uh, the national level exercise zero nine is in uh, in full force this week, uh, which we talked about on Sunday. And uh, there's, there's been there's actually some stuff I want to talk about at the end of the show because what's going on in New Jersey and is completely underreported 
is pretty amazing. And I'm, 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 re- I'm really just going to keep that until the end. Is it really? Okay. But I'm yeah. just, okay. Yeah, I want to keep that to the end. But I want to sing you this clip, John. This is a YouTube clip. And uh, this kind of, this is the scariest thing I have seen. Hold on. Let me see if I can get you the, the link. This is the scariest thing I have seen in years. Although it, uh, it, it did happen on a U.S. carrier. There you go. Uh, flight 857 from San Francisco to Shanghai. So the, uh, the aircraft arrives at uh, Pudong Airport, pulls into the gate. Passengers are requested to remain seated. And then these five or six guys in complete con- white containment suits walk onto the plane. So they're completely covered in white. They've got the goggles on. And they have these radar thermometer guns. And they point them at each person's forehead and read their temperature to see if they have swine flu. But look at the video, man. It will freak you out. Oh, you guys send me a link. I'll blog I ju- it. I, I, just, uh, I just Skype you the link. Take a look at it. I want you to see. I want to hear your reaction because... You look at this, you're like, oh, my God, it's a fucking science fiction movie. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, it sounds like those guys in the uh, Star Wars. It, it, looks, it looks just like, what do you call those guys, the, the sentries or whatever? I can't remember their name. Somebody in the chat room knows. You know, the guys in the white. Yeah. Are you looking at the clip? Yeah, I am. It looks like the, somebody did this. This is bullshit. No, that's not bullshit. That's real. Look at the clip. Really look at it. That's not bullshit. That's a full aircraft. I think there's somebody who's punked. No, 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 no. Why? This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It looks like they're going to shoot everybody. <laughs> they, 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 po- you know, let's do this with these phony guns at first, and then we'll come in with real guns and wipe these people out. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's a practice. I, I think, it, first of all, I don't think it's a, you can't punk stuff like that on an airplane. You just can't do that stuff. It just doesn't work that way. Not while you're at the gate. You don't have five guys in white suits come in with could, radar I think guns. you could manage it. And I don't think so. You have some fake, some fake credentials. You get a couple of people with cameras this is too well shot no it's not it's just on a regular camcorder people get good video all the time and then these guys come in and they shoot the gun at a few people and then they leave and next thing you know it's all over the place this is ridiculous all right you can find it in the show notes at uh noagenda.mevl.com uh of course i'll blog it too you can catch it on dvork.org slash blog i have the video up and uh, noagendashow.com is also working now that resolves to our squares uh, squarespace site and as we were talking last week about S.666 and the bioterrorism bill and all of this money that was appropriated years ago, I ran across yet another fine... Ooh, John, did I just lose you? How did that happen? Let's see if we can call him back. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. That doesn't sound too good. Let's pull the plug on these two assholes. <laughs> you can just see the guys at the AT&T headquarters saying exactly that. <laughs> hey, fuck them. Let's get them now, dude. <laughs> so I was about to talk about um, you know, the bioterrorism funding that uh, was set up a couple of years ago. We talked about this on Sunday. Uh, and who was it? Was it, uh, it was Joe Lieberman? Who sponsored uh, that original yes. bill, and you know, so they got all this money, and I bumped across a, John. We are so in the wrong business, dude. Because I was looking at you know, dude. A, a dude, I was looking at you know what kind of money um, was being appropriated towards vaccine companies for the, uh, of course, for the swine flu. This is a site that that is just unbelievable. The DTRA. Have you ever heard of this organization? No. Okay, DTRA.mil. 
It is the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the Combat Support Agency of the U.S. Department of Defense, assigned with the mission of safeguarding the United States and its allies from weapons of mass destruction. And, of course, it defines WMD as chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, nuclear, and high-yield explosive weapons by yeah. providing capability. Pipe bomb now qualifies. Yeah, yeah. And you see the amount of money being handed out to this, um, this one outfit, AVI, I uh, uh, forget the name of it. Uh, shoot. Well, this is like the eighteen million dollar website. Yeah. That you know, that simple website, eighteen million. You know, these companies are. It's, it is a business, but the company's expertise is not in actually doing anything any better than anybody else can do. But it's it's in getting the contracts. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's an art to be able to get these contracts, and these, they're huge contracts, and you just essentially bilk the government. It's billions of dollars. Yeah. And you're right. It, it it is. You know, they they explain exactly how you get one of how you get in on the program, how you get one of these uh, one of these contracts, and they're just outrageous. And just you, the amount of money being spent, particularly on the H one N one virus, which is coming from this organization, is is just astounding. Yeah, absolutely. Here yeah, it I is. Know, we, that's probably what we should be doing. Here's the uh, so this relates directly. Uh, actually, the name the of the AVI company. AVI Biopharma. Yeah, AVI Biopharma. That's the. Did you did you find the page? No, uh, it's Bite uh, Law sent it to me. Okay, because here's something, and and I haven't been able to source this properly, uh, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, but this is how President Obama ties into a lot of what's happening with swine flu on the back end. So I'm just going to read some of this verbatim to you. So George W. Bush announced the International Partnership on Avian and Pandemic Influenza at the U.N. General Assembly on September 14, 2005. So that's when, in effect, the United States, uh, under uh, United Nations law and the World, Horth- World Horseshit, World Health Organization. World Horseshit Organization. <laughs> that's the new that's name. <laughs> Wait, don't say that, man. I don't want to get disconnected again. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we are under uh, WHO law in the event of a pandemic emergency, which, in effect, is now in place, according to the Constitution of the World Health Organization. Whenever they say everyone must be vaccinated, we apparently have to do it. And, of course, we're at threat level six, so we're, we're there now. Earlier that year, in April 2005, and this is the part that I have not sourced, and there's a couple more things, so I'm not saying it's true, but it's interesting – Barack Obama, then as a senator, introduced the first comprehensive bill to deal with the bird flu threat. That was the Avian Act. According to reports, Obama made significant investments in biotech companies involved in the development of bird and swine flu. Less than two months after ascending to the United States Senate, Barack Obama bought more than $50,000 worth of stock in two speculative companies whose major investors included some of his political donors. One of the companies was this AVI Biopharma, and that started to develop a drug to treat the avian flu. Um, in March 2005, two weeks after buying about 5,000 of its shares, Obama took the lead in a legislative push for more federal spending to battle the disease. He put fifty dollars to $100,000 into, into an account at UBS, which his aides say was recommended to him by his friend, friend George W. Haywood, who was a major investor in Skyterra and AVI Biopharma. 
Within two weeks of his purchase of the biotech stock, February 22nd, Obama initiated what he's called, quote, one of my top priorities since arriving in the Senate, and that was a push to increase federal financing to fight avian flu. I mean, this just goes on and on and on and on. Well, that's such a conflict of interest that I can't imagine somebody's not looking into it. Well, again, since, you know, it really hasn't been been sourced very well, but... Uh, I can give you just a here's a quick overview, which I like. April 28th, 2005, Obama introduces the Avian Act, S-969. Senator Obama introduces the first comprehensive bill to address the threat of an avian influenza influenza pandemic. (coughs) Then he warns of a flu pandemic in 2005 on June 6th, uh, released by Barack Obama and Richard Lugar. Do you know who he is? Yeah, Richard Lugar, Dick Lugar. He's one of the senators. Okay. It is essential for the international community led by the United States to take decisive action to prevent a pandemic. What should we do? Recently, the World Health Organization called for more money and attention to to be devoted to effective preventative action, appealing for $100 million, accelerating research into avian flu vaccines and antiviral drugs is what we need to do. So... And then you look at um, the money that came from the. Oh, I'm spacing on it for a second. Is one of these uh, like not you know urban urban health initiative something else that he sponsored? That money went directly to AVI Biopharma. So we need I'm work you, to this do. Whole, this whole this swine flu thing is all about the money. It's not about killing anybody. It's about the money and testing adjuvants. Simple. And then they obviously they give a lot of money to the, to the WH. Oh, and then that stupid woman that runs it who, by the way, if you get to ever see her speak, she seems like Chan? an out-and-out idiot. Yeah, Chan, isn't that her name? Yeah, and she, uh, I mean, you, if you ever watched the old Matt TV show and you ever saw Miss Swan, this is this woman. So, um, anyway, she they give them a lot of money and they say, you know, be back channel say look you know if you crank up the you know let's uh, we we got a bunch of people making this stuff we got to give them some reward so can you make it a level 6 threat you know what is her background where's this uh, margaret chan from general she, I think Dr. she was margaret in chan. Uh, either china I think she's she's from China, and she uh, was behind. She was one of the investigators, or what, or the head of Hong Kong's health department, or so. She's got the background, you know, of of doing stuff in the health industry as as a bureaucrat. So executives from Baxter, of course, that's the company that uh, tried to slip in the uh, the virus into a regular flu shot. Uh, Novartis, GlaxoSmithKline, and Sanofi Pasteur all have seats on the advisory group that recommended on July 13th mandatory H1N1 vaccination of everyone in all 194 countries that belong to the World Health Organization. Gee, uh, I wonder why they do that. <laughs> and this, this is a report just released. Uh, and Dr. Margaret Chan uh, did not give the press briefing herself in Geneva. It was um, Dr. Marie Paul Kleine who stepped in to announce that, quote, vaccines will be needed in all countries. So, uh, yeah, this is the money grab. Now, the, th- the thing my wife pointed out to me was the fact that the W we've made some sort of an agreement, the country has made an agreement with the WHO, and if they declare some sort of an epidemic, which they pretty much have, and say that we have to have a, va- a shot in the United we, by, because of the treaty, we, yeah, have, we have to have require to. our, despite the fact that it's unconstitutional to require a vaccination in the United States of America, but because of the treaty, there's some way they're going to try to 
try right. to force us to take a shot. Right. That's what I just said. Everyone who joins with the with the yeah, that's the, what you just yeah. said. But I'm just saying the, the one say it thing. Again. <laughs> just give your wife credit for what I just said. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So, but let's let's. Here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to have to challenge this immediately and get it into the court system as fast as they can, so it goes into the, it gets up to the Supreme Court, so they can say this is unconstitutional. You can't do this. I don't care what agreement you made. You can't have. You know, this is like this has always bothered me. By the way, the non-disclosures have always irked me because they're against the First Amendment rights. Uh, I mean, non, if I non, had, what, 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 non, what non-disclosure are you talking about now? Uh, this is like in in a uh, in any corporation, or if you're working for somebody, you, you get these agreements, these non-disclosures. You you say that you will never say anything about this. There's a contract, mm-hmm. but when does a contract? What can it, when can a contract violate the the, the basic uh, constitution? It's an illegal contract. There's no way that I can sign my rights to say something away in the United States of America. It's bull. Well, wait no a minute. Well, wait a minute. Aren't, aren't, you, aren't you allowed to enter into private contracts? Is, isn't that part of the Constitution? Yeah, but, the, but I can just do anything. I can say I'm going to do this and that and the other thing, but there's no way they're going to be able to sue me. I, I can't have... Okay, if that's true, then why don't I enter into a private contract for slaves? Oh, it's a private contract. I brought these guys over from Africa. They signed here, and they said they'd be slaves. No problem. <laughs> what do you think all those people at Mevio are, dude? What's up with you? Shh, quiet now. I'm just telling you that what's the difference? What's the difference between a non-disclosure and an agreement to be a slave? How is it constitutional? So how is it constitutional we are forced to take vaccines? Well, we've discussed this on the show, John, and you've we heard... We discuss it all the time. I just get more irked about it every time it comes up. So who is going to challenge this? This is a very good question. Who is going to stand up and challenge it, considering that every, just about every single politician in the system, one way or another, is tied into Big Pharma? So I don't, I don't, I don't buy your argument that this is all about money, and I think most of the middle layer, uh, maybe even the, the edges of the middle layer of what's going on here, it is all about greed and money. But at the same time, uh, it is kind of dangerous, you know, this, well, I think they do want to use the public shit. as a guinea pig. That's for sure. Well, the public is, but it's it's gotten so bad. The public is is willingly giving themselves up as guinea pigs to, you know, to the get in is line. That dumb, let them do it. But I mean, the point is, is that what, the forced ones are the ones that that are somewhat irksome. If you play the clip, here's a clip for you. And the clip list, there's one. Uh, look for one. It's just swine flu coming back. Yeah, play that. Uh, They should stay home from school uh, for seven days at least if it looks like they have swine flu. And people who are sick should actually wear masks at home. Also, wash. Can you imagine? Honey, you can't kiss me. I'm wearing my mask. I'm wearing masks at home. This idiot is on the CBS uh, local news telling us about swine flu. And this Wait, is a, this tell me there's more. Tell oh, me yeah. there's more. Put your hands off and sneeze and cough into your sleeve. Sneeze and cough, cough into your wife's mouth. That's much fun. Not your hand. Vaccines are also going to be available, but you must get one for the seasonal flu and a separate one for the swine flu, which is two shots. To the head. We'll be gearing up for uh, on-site vaccination programs in probably about 40 schools in Contra Costa. We'll be doing uh, drive-through uh, vaccine. <laughs> drive-through vaccine? <laughs> Wait, get... you drive-through and hey kids, hang your arm out the window. Hang your arm out the window. Here we go. Thank you. Can I have another? Programs for the public in shopping centers uh, beginning in November. In the meantime,
meantime, the health departments are working with each other and the school districts to track absences. If another kid gets it, then we'll just bring him home and he'll be fine. And we'll kill him at home. I think I think a lot of the media is put that here. What? This guy is the public, and listen to what he says. Back, right? And a lot of the media around it has been around the fear of what it might be as opposed to what the flu turned out to be. It turns out the swine flu isn't more dangerous than the seasonal flu, but it's also here to stay. It won't be going away. We expect it's uh, we coming back uh, in the fall with larger numbers. What we hope is that it doesn't come back with more severity. Lisa hey, Chan, all these flus go away. Why is this one not going away? It's like bad Mexican food. It comes back. It doesn't go away. It won't be going away. It's coming back. It's never going to go away. So here's what you got to be careful of. You know, the most recent vaccination that they tried to roll. And, and John, I am really buying into your, your money argument. Of course, I was hammering time and time again about this Gardasil, this... Uh, uh, HPV vaccine, which uh, apparently would prevent your daughters from getting um, cervical cancer, which of course has been proven that it, you know, it's not 100% effective. It didn't go through all the clinical trials. It was rushed through. It was rolled out in almost exactly the same fashion with a fear-based campaign, getting mothers and fathers to take their young daughters to get this freaking shot. And now a federal report, oh, gee whiz, has concluded that the HPV vaccine Gardasil has a four. 400% higher rate of adverse effects than any other comparable vaccine. Yeah, duh. Because they probably had adjuvants in it. We haven't looked into it, but I'm sure it was a beta test. And they just roll, and they even want boys to take this test, this uh, this vaccine now. <laughs> for cervical cancer. Are you nuts? It's hilarious. Are you nuts? Well, maybe you could grow a cervix when you get older. You never know. But listen, researchers considered Gardasil and Menactra equivalent for the purposes of comparison. because Menactra is an um, uh, anti-meningitis shot. Uh, so they compared the two because they're given to similar age groups at similar frequencies. The study concluded Gardasil was associated with twice as many emergency room visits, four times as many deaths, and four times as many heart attacks, seven times as many disabled reports, and 15 times as many strokes. Reported cases of blood clots, heart attacks, all associated with Gardasil, and none of that uh, happened, or almost none of it happened with any other drugs. You know, and, okay. and, and people just take their kids, take them, take them to the doctor, let, it, let that needle slip right in. It's nuts. Nobody pays attention anymore. No, the news is not reporting on it because they're complacent. They're a part of it. They're no, part they of are the part system. Of it because the drug companies are the, one of the biggest advertisers in the world right now. Thank you. Exactly. How come, how come Mevio doesn't have any good pharma advertisers? What the fuck is that? Can we at least get some of that money? For you, but you don't have anybody that's got the the right. Uh, you know, this is all Rolodexes, right? Yeah. He's got to find some guy with the with the drug company Rolodex. He could probably, you know, make the company a billion dollar <laughs> company overnight. Hey, if you know anyone in the pharma industry, we'll be happy to make a show. Like two to the arm, it's good, kids. Come on, we can do that, John. We'll do that show. <laughs> it's good for you, kids. Vote for jobs. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yo! Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's <laughs> vote, vote for, for jobs! jobs. Yeah! Meanwhile, the U.S. Census Bureau... <laughs> that never gets old. does not. The U.S. Census Bureau came out with, uh, with what they predict will be the change in population. Uh, so they do a, a chart from 1950 to 2050. It's a beautiful thing. John, let me just uh, Skype you this link. You will... <laughs> 
this I love it when when government backs up my crackpot theories. Uh, so starting 2012, there's a significant decline in world population. <laughs> it really goes from uh, about 8 billion to, oh, I don't know, close to 4 billion. <laughs> Someone's on the list. What's that all about? Look at this. Look at this. Look at well, this. that's because, you know, the Chinese don't have <clears throat> having one child without having to pay extra taxes. And uh, although the way Glenn Beck puts it, they grab the extra child and kill, kill him. him. They take him out. Take him out back. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Glenn Beck has been in the news to an extreme this week, which I want to discuss for a second after you're done with this little bit. But the the uh, you know there's that that thing going around which we blogged, uh, which is the uh, the world population uh, being uh, able to fit the whole thing into Texas. And you, and this guy says do the math. And so I did the math, by the way. All right, so so we have to put this in the show notes because it is it is a very interesting uh, YouTube clip. And so again, the 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 premise is the entire world population could have a house and all fit with their house in the state of Texas. Yeah. Is this actually true? Yeah, actually it's true by about uh, 0.1 billion people. And what happens if we if we all flush the toilet at the same time? <laughs> well, there <laughs> does does Texas explode? Yes, Texas is flush. You can't live that close together. There's no that you can't have that. There's no infrastructure. It doesn't actually work unless you're living in mud huts. If you, you multiply, no. If you multiply, these would be townhouses. If you multiply the number of townhouses per acre, which is generally uh, considered to be 35 per acre, and you multiply it by the 170 or plus million acres in Texas. Technically, you have about 6.8 billion people that are possible to be shoved into Texas. Now, of course, there's no grocery stores or room for malls or anything else. And, yeah. uh, or but all that the, important stuff like Best you know, Buy. The people in the middle of, this country, this, of the state, especially when they get warmed up a little bit, probably be dead. Mm-hmm. But technically, you could jam them all into Texas in a, in a normal-sized townhouse, and you could get uh, the world's, entire world's population into the state of Texas, technically. Okay, technically, but you know, there are some calculations. Which means there's a lot of room for growth. (laughs) You got to make some. There's some calculations you need to make for infrastructure. You know, like uh, grocery stores. Yeah, grocery stores, Best Buy, Radio Shack, you know, all the stuff that we really need, along with I don't know, plumbing. Although now, if you think about it, now think about this. Hell with the town. This is townhouses. If you did high rises, Mm. you could probably put the infrastructure in there because you'd have plenty of room. Instead of 35 houses, single-family dwellings per acre, so, you could probably shove 1,000 people or 2,000 people in an acre. Okay, and, uh, and, and where do we grow all the food to feed these people? You could John? probably still have, well, the rest of the country is all agriculture now. <laughs> and where do we go on vacation? And by the way, and you run that, that, that road that goes shut, from Mexico John, to Canada. Shut up. I'm shipping you to Texas. <laughs> Screw you. You're, you're the first to start. I'm getting you one of those high-rise plastic coffins. We can stack those on top of each other beautifully in Texas. Just telling you. A nice note from a Gitmo Nation uh, south, southern hemisphere from Simon. He translated an official note from the Secretary of Health in Brazil. Uh, Tuesday, July 28th, recommended to the public and private schools to postpone the return of lessons until the 17th of August. This measure has as an objective to reduce the transmission of the H1N1 virus. Oh, yeah. I, I called Christina yesterday. I said, have they delayed the opening of your school yet? She says, not yet, but 
She'll, uh, she'll well, wait, 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 wait. There's a, to, to, kind of the information has to be reinterpreted at least on this basis. It's the middle of winter in Brazil, so they may Good have point. some logic for doing this Good because point. it's the middle of winter and it's the flu season in Brazil. Good point. It's not the flu season in, around here or England. Good point. No, I'm down with that, but still. Uh. Well, I had another uh, funny swine flu note from, uh, maybe it was from Argentina. Hold on, let me see, find it. Um, ah, damn. Well, you're looking for it. Let's see what other clips we got. Uh, you only have one more, I think, that you haven't played yet. Um, I'll tell you what we have. We have um, <clears throat> Inida. Climate change, maybe that's India climate change, and we have icons. Oh, just play that's a real cool. Since we're talking a little bit about some of this, just as a real quick clip, this was uh, taken. Uh, there's not much publicity. Everybody who <clears throat> who knows about the climate change bill that that's being honest about knows that if we implement it, we're going to be the only country in the world that does. <laughs> and the countries that are the super big polluters, like India and China, the rest, they say, "Screw you." We think this thing is a bunch of bull. And this is what the Indi- head of India's environmental uh, department. He's the head. <laughs> environment guy. Does he actually say, screw you, it's a bunch of bull? Almost. India's position is, I'd like to make it clear and categorical, India's position is that we are simply not in a position to take on legally binding emission reduction, reduction targets. Developing countries like India don't want to be forced to slow growth in the name of reducing emissions. Which is there almost what it. a lot of it sounds like. Like it, it really is about slowing growth of yeah. the, of the brick uh, the brick nations. Well, and us. No, for us, it's just taking more of our money away. Yeah, we've already slowed growth. What am I thinking? We got no growth. <laughs> we really don't. We, what is, what is unemployment up to now? Sixteen percent real unemployment. Real unemployment. Uh, unemployment number. Uh, <clears throat> that's uh, I think it's called. David six or something like that. David Guargalia uh, says sends us a quick report from soon-to-be Gitmo Nation, Tropical South. Yesterday, I was watching the news here in Brazil. It seems the government agency that is, and again, it's winter there, that is a rough equivalent of the FDA has approved a batch of Tamiflu about one year over its due date to be used in public hospitals. The report said the maker asked the government to use this batch after it tested samples for stability and concluded that it's still in good condition. This has actually happened in the States. I've received a number of reports uh, from uh, hospital personnel who say, look, we have Tamiflu with a, with a, an expiration date and we're being t- told that it's still okay to use it. I don't know if that's typical, John, you being a medical doctor by former profession. <laughs> that's one thing I didn't get to be. But as a chemist, I can tell you that half these things have a, the, the expiration date is premature. Luckily, most doctors are asking the patients to ignore the government and to request pills still inside the validity period. And then uh, David goes on to say, on the other hand, who cares about that when Taylor Swift is finally here in Brazil to help us with her wowing music? And he sent us a nice picture uh, of the supermarket with uh, some of the tabloids with Taylor <laughs> Swift on the Taylor cover. Taylor Swift clip handy <laughs> yeah. for people who haven't heard it. Uh, I don't have that hand. Well, maybe I could find it somewhere. Oh, man. <laughs> So I love you know. So David, totally, uh, uh, you're a full fledged producer from uh, from Gitmo Nation, Tropical South. You totally get it. I don't have any of the Taylor Swift uh, clips anymore. I don't think John. 
Unfortunately. Man. You got to keep a library <sighs> at the ready. Do you want to talk just really briefly about this podcast patent? Because everyone who listens to the show is aware of it. Everyone's talking about it. And I haven't really said anything about it yet. Let me brief people. A company called Volo Media has uh, obtained from the Department of the, of, of the, the Homeland Security uh, Patent Office. Uh, <laughs> for, and for your security, by the way. A patent for podcasting, and it was uh, given to them, I believe, in 2003, uh, despite the fact that uh, most of the Internet, uh, I mean, distribution of media on the Internet was in full force in the late 1990s. And by 2001, uh, a couple of guys, debatable who's the, the the primary person, I believe, is Adam Curry, but it, but Dave Weiner, because he invented RSS, likes to at least throw his name into that into that mix. So we have Dave Weiner and Adam Curry as inventors of the podcasting model in 2001. After we've seen maybe two, three, <clears throat> maybe four years of media distribution over the internet in various formats and, and methodologies, 2003 rolls around. These guys. These guys, unlike the Currys and the Winers out there who didn't think to put a patent application in, uh, put one in after the fact when all the stuff's already been done. So this is a bogus patent. I'll tell you, so this company, Volo Media, which I think was called something else previously, I know this guy, Murgesh, Murgesh Navar, because Ron and I met with him several times in 2005, before we'd even started uh, Podshow, I believe. And at the time, he had this kind of... Weird. He had a, he had put together like a radio system, and it was the idea was you'd have this thing in your car, and it, you know stuff would be downloaded through three uh, G or whatever we were talking about at the time. And he even said, "Oh, you know, we have, we have many many patents filed and all." And he had actually had some radio guy from some local radio station kind of as his his guy to help him with the content part. And, you know, we just, we talked a lot and we, you know, is there anything we can do? And like, you know, really, we're like, this guy just did, was no fit for us at all. Um, but he never, he, he never really showed me even anything close to what podcasting well, was. What's his name at the again? Time. Uh, Mergesh Navar. Is this any different? Because there's another Volo Media that is run by this Jan DeVolder guy, which may be a different company. Uh, probably. I is. think it is, actually. This, so maybe com- this have- company was actually... Should I just look at my Gmail for a second, see if I can find anything from Murgesh? That would be funny, wouldn't it? I could read some of my correspondence with back him. there. Uh, let me so see. The- let me just, and do we, is that actually... Do we know that's the name Volo Media? V-O-L-O? Well, uh, yeah, V-O-L-O. Yeah, let me just see if I have any Murgesh in my email. Mm. That, that would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Let's see. Uh, come on, Gmail. Do me justice. Oh, yes. Let's see. See, I got a Volo Media Audio. Oh, here it was. Audio There's, Feast. I found three different Volo Media. No, listen, Media listen. Companies. Audio Feast is what the uh, the company was called. Ah, uh, Audio Feast. Audio Feast. Audio that's, Feast. That's why we ke- remember we had Madge Weinstein, and uh, and I kept laughing about. It. Oh, let's go look. Let's go talk to Mergesh from Audio Yeast. Uh, here's some of our correspondence. Adam and Ron, we're working on a one-page proposal on how we can work together. We are excited about the podcasting possibilities and want to cooperate with your strengths. This is a heads up. He's already you know, he's already saying he didn't know what podcasting was at the time. Oh, that's that's a piece of evidence. Totally evidence. Let me see what else I got. This is good. Hold on. I should have done this earlier. Yeah. Uh, here. Oh, I have a proposal from him. Partnership and content possibilities. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Maybe he's out to get you guys. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, let me see. What is this? Uh, okay, that's just a forward. It's add this guy to Feastcast or podcast. So the guy didn't even know what podcasting was when we talked to him. Audio Feast. That was that was his whole brand. That was his whole idea. How are things going? He writes on uh, June twenty eighth, two thousand five. Our two release is in beta now. Delivers all the top radio shows we carry as podcasts. These shows can be synced to iTunes or Windows Media Player directly. So what he was doing is he was taking radio shows from around the country and syncing them somehow. Given this, we have come to a decision we do not want to be a front-facing consumer brand when all of our technology strengths are in the back end. We have content partnerships and technology. No need to be a consumer-facing brand. I'd like to chat and see if we can help Podshow become big really fast. Open to chat? Uh, so I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's anything else really. And there's, there's probably some stuff around here. But Adam Rugel, I believe. No, that's was that. Anyway, Audio Feast. Look into that company. That was the company. Um, <coughs> our lawyer, that he was our lawyer, tells us that Adam could file a motion for reexamination with the patent office and try to get it invalidated. Simple, but you know. So I tell you something though. I'm so sick and tired of fighting these fights for everybody There's else. No fight. Just send a, pe- a piece of paper in. Well, first of all, I'm not going to do that uh, because I don't. I, you know, any work I did and have Bobby do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna have, certainly not going to have Bobby do it. Any work that I did and Dave Wine and I, we were experimenting with this very thing in the public uh, with his software, Radio Userland, in 2000, 2001. Um, you know, uh, I I work with him on coming up with the idea of the enclosure element in RSS. You know, and and after the fact, you know, if this guy was really really smart, Murgesh, he would have added his name to the podcasting wiki page. This is what you're supposed to do, douchebag. This is the time where we say, oh, Wikipedia shows that it's not true. And you know, I'm just waiting for all these other people to hop on board saying they invented podcasting. Go look at the wiki page, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Here it is. Is this the one that you keep editing? <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> I should put this guy in. Murgesh Navar invented podcasting in 2003. Here it is. Here's a, here's a potential. From Nuco. Nuco I'm going to put it this in. This is great. This is funny, John. Oh, my God. Is this on the Wikipedia page you're looking at? No, I'm looking at the email still. Oh. What was he saying here? <sighs> The guy was, he, it was radio stations to some kind of radio thing, and it was a closed-loop system. It had nothing to do with RSS. It had nothing to do with any syndication protocol. It was taking shows from radio programs that they were licensing, which is why he didn't like well, the maybe, model in the first maybe, place. Maybe, before we <laughs> beat this to death, we should take a look at this guy's patent. It's, you know, we can look well, it up. I, you know, somebody... It's funny because I, I looked at the patent and you look and the patent that I find everywhere online does not include a lot of the stuff that he writes about his patent on his on his patent page, which so I don't I really don't know. Have you looked at the USPTO website? Because I don't know how it works. There's all these dependencies and all this weird stuff. And I don't know if those are then included in the patent. Uh, because the basic patent says nothing because I looked at it, of course, it says nothing about um about downloading but on his website here i'll send you what he says john here you go 
So his patent, which is 7568213, the only thing I could find online about it other than his web page is a method for providing episodic media, the media compri- comprising providing a user with access to a channel dedicated to episodic media or in the episodic media provided over the channel is predefined into one or more episodes, blah, 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 blah. But then he goes into all these, the method of claim one further comprising automatically providing the user with an indication of the availability of updated episodic media. I can't find that at the USPTO's filing. So did he just add that in or, or is, am I not, do I not know how to read the patent office website, which is clearly not one of those $19 million websites? Well, I'm looking at the patent now. What is claimed, a method for providing episodic media, the method comprising providing a user with access to a channel dedicated to episodic media, wherein the episodic media Right, that all I got, but then it ends at the ability to modify the channel death by selecting selected public media, con- episodic media content, thereby overriding the previously configured channel death. That's all it says. But below that, on his own page, he's got these nine different methods of claim. What is a method of claim? Well, I don't know. It's what he said apparently is supposed to be in the patent. But I don't see it in the patent. I don't either. So maybe he's full of horse gooey. That could be. Anyway, I, don't, I never liked the guy. We couldn't work with him. He had, he had a well, totally... Well, you probably like him even less now. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care. What the, the only problem is is that he's now talking to Apple, and John, you said to me on the street the other day as we were street walking... We do that. You said... I said that the first thing that this I used to do a lot of uh, well uh, uh, nasty shit. witness work <laughs> nasty shit <laughs> and one of the things that you, you the, the, the lawyers are always tell you is the classic way that the uh, that you handle a, a patent that might be weak uh, and you want to get a bunch of uh, royalties from people just to you know the first thing you got to do is you got to find a big fish. And you go and you show them this patent and you say you want to, you know, you're going to have to want to charge everybody for this patent. But, Mr. Big Fish, I'm going to let you have the patent for free because there's no reason for, you know, because just to get it out of the way. And there's a million ways of selling this. And so now all of a sudden, Apple, then a press release goes out. Apple, you know, it comes to an agreement, which, of course, means no money, but it doesn't say that. Comes to an agreement with Volo Media to use the Volo Media episodic patent for podcasting and now that is used to scare off all the little fish because now you're fighting against uh, volo media you think apple's on their side i mean it just becomes a fiasco of uh, of sorts uh, but that, but as soon as the first thing I said to you, as soon as the, like I just telling you that this is the way it's usually done, boom! Within 24 hours, a, a, a press release comes out saying that he's talking to Apple. Yep, he's not talking to him to get royalties because Apple's not going to give him a nickel. So if you really do give a shit about this and you think that there's a, a problem, then and if you're a lawyer or if you know a lawyer, hey, I'll sign my ni- my name under anything you want, and I'm sure Dave Weiner will do the same. But I I really feel that. There's no reason for me to be uh, Camelot and uh, and jump on this and go screaming about it. It's just it's lame. I think I've got evidence. The guy didn't even know what podcasting was. He was he was looking at a completely different system. And if anything, hey, you know what? I think I have an NDA with that dude. Hmm. Well, go dig it up, <laughs> please. And now back to real news. Lady magazines are in trouble. Usually, the mags gorge on ads for their September issues, often inches thick, 
And by far the biggest of the year, the fall issue's fat revenues bursting at the seams usually carry them through the lean months after Christmas. However, plummeting ad sales combined with lower circulation rates means quite a few won't have reserves to make it through hibernation. The reason is because women, according to Liz Jones of the Daily Mail, women are sick and tired of looking at beautiful Photoshop Botox chicks. They want it to be real. They find the magazines patronizing, fake, and pointless. Mm, it's a new generation. I think they're onto something. I think that now that we actually know how Photoshop works, that women are saying, screw that shit. Yeah, actually, Photoshop may have, <laughs> have ruined it. <laughs> well, Photoshop created. Well, I guess it's not airbrushing. I mean, created, it all stems from. I, I think a lot of it stems from that picture of Faith Hill that was on the cover. I think Cosmo or one of these magazines, and then they showed up on the internet with the pre before and after, and she was like, Faith Hill's who, who's a good looking woman, was so photoshopped. I mean, they made it look like she was seventeen. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was an eye opener for a lot of people. Every you don't single, need to do. Yeah. You shouldn't need to do that with everybody. Every single magazine, certainly the cover, every single one is photoshopped, retouched, yeah. graded, yeah. everything. And, and even for, especially for technology magazines, everything is photoshopped. Everything is made to look more beautiful, fake, and is not real. And maybe that's a part of why all this stuff is going down the drain, John, besides the, the shoddy reporting. Yeah, everything's fake. I got some news. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Real news. Real Hit news. the real news button. And now, back to real news. Okay, so there's this huge scandal going on in Australia that is really interesting. There's, there's this morning show called, uh, radio show. Called like Australia, a, good morning, Australia? Today. Mm, Australia two. Today, yes. Today show. And, and there's a Kyle and Jackie O, these two hosts, in this, and they run the show. And so they, they had this idea that was going to be so funny. Let's get a lie detector and put some <laughs> teenager on it and then and see what we have our mom grill her about stuff. Oh, so they found this girl, and they and she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. They made her do it. They hooked her up to a lie detector test, and they started asking her questions. Do you ever have sex or ever play with a boy? Do you ever kiss? Oh, and the girl says, I'm not saying. I've already talked about this before. And then they start giving her a bad time. And she says, okay, okay. I was raped when I was 12. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. All hell has broken loose. And rightfully so. And, and no by whom? No kidding. By whom? I mean, the government's involved. They're wondering why this went without being reported. Why did the mom, what was the point of this lie detector thing? Uh, what was the show's involvement? I mean, everybody's in on this. This is a huge scandal. Talk about taking the, the spotlight away from not, you know, the nothing to see here thing. This, just, this is just a killer. Uh, that poor girl. That poor girl. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. That's horrible. You bum so me out with that one, John. Just to let you know, Australia, we are lis uh, listening to what yeah, you're up to. Yeah, we do care. Okay, um, I just wanted to talk briefly about New Jersey. Um, of course, there were you know like 40 lawmakers arrested over the past few weeks in uh, in New Jersey. Uh, the, the, you know, it seems like the the mob is involved. It's you know there's this this uh, kind of uh, I don't know exactly what these Jewish organizations represent or which fraction they represent, but there's seems to be some Israeli ties into this. I made some uh, assertions to that in uh, one of our previous shows. Did you know that eleven letters containing suspicious white powder have been sent to government and private offices in northern New Jersey in the past ten days, John? Nope. So of course, why would I know that? 
<laughs> Gee, figure. Why would it be reported? I have to say, the Star Ledger did report on this. Not the the the, the biggest national newspaper in the world. And as uh, which is right across the river. Yeah, and, and as yes, it is. Uh, so I'll just read you some of the report. This is now the FBI is copying to this. Now, now remember, this is anthrax letters essentially no one has been injured initial tests showed the powder did not appear to be dangerous authorities said what was it then could you please tell me what was it was it anthrax was it non-lethal anthrax was it powder sugar was it heroin what the hell was it however of course the mailings prompted temporary shutdowns throughout bergen and passaic counties while hazmat units investigated hazmat that sounds jewish just by itself what is a hazmat unit Hazard material? Hazardous materials. Yeah. Those are the guys in those suits, in the suits. Those white suits. Ah, there you go. With the, with the thermometer gun. At the FBI, the lead agency in the investigation, released few details, of course. In each case, the powder was in an envelope that was inside another envelope. Since July 17th, the agency said letters were sent to locations in Tottawa, Clifton, that's where I used to live, Wayne, Ringwood, which I think would be Ridgewood, but Ringwood, Woodland Park, and Fairlawn, all in New Jersey. Final testing on the three letters concluded there was no evidence of biological agents. The agency would not say where the letters were sent, but the Fairlawn Police Department confirmed one was received by Police Chief Eric Rose on Friday morning. The same morning, another letter was delivered to the law offices of, of Vivino and Vivino in Wayne. <laughs> Vivino and Vivino, we help you immediately. The office was evacuated for about two hours. Emergency crews came in. The FBI is working with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service and local and county investigators on the case. Letters containing suspicious white powder have been common since 2001. Common? Common? (laughs) What do you mean common? Where have I heard about this since 2001? Letters containing suspicious white powder have become common since 2001. In Jersey, maybe. When letters laced with anthrax powder, one of which was processed at the post office in Hamilton, Mercer County, killed five people. In the past eight months alone, white powder letters forced workplace evacuations at a pharmaceutical company in Montvale, a securities firm in Woodbridge, and offices of Senate President Richard Cody. Governor John Corzine was also among 30 governors to receive white powder letters late last year. they're, They're suppressing this. They're completely suppressing this. Well, they're doing it for a good reason. Because the boneheads in this country, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. So, of course, they say nothing happened. However, one of the 44 people arrested last week, this is according to Reuters, in a sweeping federal probe of political corruption and money laundering in New Jersey, one of the people has been found dead in suspicious circumstances. Jack Shaw. You've heard of him, John. Uh, I have. Yeah, I think you have. Longtime Democratic political consultant was discovered dead at his Jersey City home on Tuesday afternoon in circumstances Hudson County prosecutor Edward DeFazio called suspicious. However, the prosecutor told the New York Times the death did not appear to be murder. They're, they're, they're still Just working. Suspicious. They're still working on Michael Jackson for like for like six weeks now, and within three days, oh, this is not murder. Oh, no, this is nothing. Oh, well, I got to get my jingle. I'm slow on yeah, the draw. Nothing to see here. Slow on the draw here. See yeah. here. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this this whole corruption thing is really really underreported. 
And so this Shaw guy was basically, he was wearing a wire. He was the informant. He, w- he, was, he was talking to all of these. Huh, and coincidentally wound up dead. Uh, and let, but it listen, wasn't a murder. It, but it gets better. He had been working for developers in northern New Jersey. Previously, he worked for Chicago Mayor Richard Daly. Oh. <laughs> and former oh, New Jersey Governor Jim Florio. And helped with New Jersey Governor's John Corzine's race for the Senate. I mean, this, there is a lot of shit going on. So he introduced uh, the informant to other officials who were charged in the massive investigation of corruption, human organ sales, and money laundering involving several mayors and rabbis. <laughs> the rabbi's angle is the one that gets me. Well, yeah, well Hey, you want a kidney? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is the opening of the show, right there. <laughs> Say it again. No. <laughs> you do your own voices. <clears throat> so just to follow up, those who were arrested were the mayors of Hoboken, Secaucus, and Ridgefield, state lawmakers, city council members, zoning officials, building inspectors, and political candidates. The mayor of Secaucus, Dennis Elwell, resigned on Tuesday. And New Jersey is just is, 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 is bust. You know, Letterman is doing bits on this. And here's the one that I just, just, just dawned on me after doing the rabbi. It's like, it's a, it, it, Letterman says, you know, and there's all these guys that are doing, exchanging kidneys, and, and, and there's a bunch of rabbis, which really surprises me, he says. And when he says that, uh, <laughs> Paul, yeah. out of the blue, says, well, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> What? And they never go. This like Letterman should have stopped and said, "What are you talking? What do you mean? It doesn't surprise you? Why?" <laughs> he probably bought one off a rabbi. <laughs> when did this become like take over from the diamonds? You know. All right. So, so there's a whole bunch of theories about this, and the the crackpot command center uh, fax machine is is just all a Twitter about about what's going on here. And uh, so there's tie-ins into Madoff, money being uh, slipped through the rabbis into Israel, you know, uh, the, the, the so-called Israelis who were cheering with the, uh, the urban moving company bus across uh, the, from the World Trade Center when the towers came down. There's all of these different conspiracy theories. And, you know, all I can say is where there's smoke, there could be some more smoke. Um, so, you know, if you have any information on it, please... We'd like to know because this being so underreported where you have 44 people arrested. Have you seen any of this on the news, John? Is this on CNN? Is this on MSNBC? They should be having pictures of guys in cuffs being hauled off by the FBI with big FBI on their back. Yeah, thank you. But they're not. You know, so so I've been working very very hard on trying to figure out what's going. So the two stories, one is this one because it it just stinks to hell on high water. There is there is that's a good one. So much fishiness going on with this and the fact that it's being just not being covered at all, at all. You know, what are we going to see tonight? Tonight we're going to see uh, Gates with the, with the cop drinking beer with the president. That's yeah. the news you're going to get tonight. Meanwhile, okay. lawmakers, uh, corruption, uh, people dying, anthrax well, they're letters. They're also going on and on about Glenn Beck's calling Obama a racist and making a big stink about <sighs> it. So gives what, a he, shit? what does he say? Who gives Who a shit? So this is where you get some real news. On top of that, there is some of this, you know, and I, I am still interested in 
uh, in uh, President Obama's, perhaps in his uh, investments into biopharmaceutical companies, then pushing uh, avian and swine flu agenda. You know, this is real work that's going on here. And by the way, um, we need your help on, on doing this. Well, that's a rough segue, but I agree that we should now's the time to ask the people to give us a hand. Now, we have a lot of people that have, uh, you know, come up to the plate and given us 50 or $100, and we mentioned them all on Sunday, so you get your name mentioned. We also have a new knight this week, which ah. is a good thing, and we'll mention him on Sunday. with a, we Maybe we should have a theme for these knights. Why, why not uh, today? Because I was prepared to do it on Sunday, and, and I don't have his name immediately okay. in front of me. Okay, good. But, but that, so that means someone, it's someone it's donated it's us $1,000. He's an American, which is really kind of a shocker. I mean, I do have his name. Would you, you, why don't we do it with Shout Out now and on Sunday? Okay, well, tell us. Well, hold on. I mean, I've got to, I've, I'm going to search for the email. I mean, clearly the system you're using doesn't. Anyway, uh, the point is, well, no, I, my, this machine, I, I mean, I just. I don't care. You know it's what? basically I don't care. a podcasting machine. Yeah. yeah. So I can, well, I you're going to have to pay Mergesh Navar some money for that, my friend. Okay. We'll get him an extra big. Uh, sc- uh, by the way, we're going to have a sheepskin. I get a, I've got a calligrapher lined up, and you know they're going to get something they can frame. Um, anyway, the point is, is that we need uh, go to noagenda dot squarespace dot com and click on one of the buttons and help us out. And we want to thank everybody who has helped us out, and also uh, go to uh, dvorak dot org slash na uh, and uh, you. I, I don't know, did you ever put a link on curry dot com to what? To the to the PayPal account, every single every single show. Okay, every single so show. What are you talking about? Curry.com, where you find uh, probably just two of the best podcasts in the world are posted there. And um, okay, anyway. it was uh, Scott Rodriguez. Yeah, Scott Rodriguez. Scott, find thank you that. so much for your donation. You are now. And an he's from where? Right? Does he give his place there? Uh, he's like. It. He's from. Uh, I'm just no. Because I no, only have the PayPal I have his location. Thing. Yeah, but he's in like you know he's like in the main part of the country. It's not even it's it's not unique. We need some. Uh, we'd like to get some knights from England. I think that would be kind of amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah. are the big? You know the things we we, we we you know we'd like to do three shows and we really aren't getting enough money and we get uh, we get a, enough money to pay a few bills but we don't get enough money and to do three shows and really dedicate even more time to this. But you should if you listen to this show you should feel guilty about the fact that you're probably getting stuff. I would say 90% of which you'll never hear anyplace else. It's all pretty good. There's some crackpot stuff, yeah. But generally speaking, it's like stuff that's probably valuable to you to know. And it's also good conversation material when you go to a cocktail party. Yeah, it can get you laid. I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) I also wanted to uh, plug uh, the No Agenda uh, mobile app version 1.2. Uh, I think there's three of them in the iPhone, uh, iTunes app store. Um, but, uh, I think, let me see, now there's a, now you can actually chat while listening to the show, which is kind of novel. Anyway, there's a couple of no agenda mobile apps in there and I think they're working on, uh, some new features like a soundboard and stuff like that. And by the way, any, anything you want to do with the show, go ahead. You know, yeah, if you want to post it on your own blog. Yeah. You know, you can grab the feed, uh, the MP3 feed, and, and put a player on your blog. That's not that hard to do. And then just run the show on your blog. We don't care. Yeah, and uh, if you want to make, uh, what is it, uh, ringtones from uh, some of the ridiculous quotes we have from John, fine. You know, from some of the jingles, go for it. That That's what it's there for. 
So that's a good thing. And that's a, another reason to donate to support this uh, podcast, uh, noagenda.squarespace.com or dvorak.org slash NA. And now we also have noagendashow.com, which goes to the same place. It's just kind of cool. Oh, is that, is that, did you light that up? Yeah, it's lit. Fully lit. It goes to noagenda.squarespace.com. So <laughs> it's just, it's just another good thing enough. to confuse our branding with. <laughs> we have confused branding. We don't really even have a, a actual logo. Oh, God. Here it comes. I think we could have a logo contest. The next thing I really want to focus on, John, seriously, is I'd like to do a dinner, a $500 a plate dinner, and I'm suggesting that we just try one in Vegas. We only need 10 people for it to be a success. We'll get you a a real good dinner, some real nice wine. It won't be some chicken fundraiser. And it's pretty easy. No, no, this is going to be a good dinner. I I got a letter from a guy who says he can organize one in New York City if if we'll let him. Yeah, but but Vegas is so much better because there's almost a cheap flight to Vegas from anywhere in the world. And let's just try. Let's do a beta test in Vegas. All right, we can do that. Besides, you know what else Vegas has? Hookers. <laughs> Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell in the Crackpot Command Center in the soon-to-be demolished loft location under eminent domain in which Gitmo we'll talk Nation about West. on sunday <laughs> i'm adam curry and from northern silicon valley where i'll be watching the wrecking ball hit adam's place i'm john c dvorak we'll talk to you again on sunday right here on no agenda <laughs>